Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, But we are talking about how we are a royal priesthood, that we are royalty, but we also are called to represent God to this world. And what Pastor Bobby preached on, what he talked about in short was this. He talked about how we have a responsibility as being part of the royal priesthood of God to represent God to this world. And when the priests do their part, God will do his part. And who knows that Jesus, he is ultimately our great high priest. He is king of kings, Lord of lords. And tonight, I want to talk about the flip side of this, though. I want to talk about what happens when the priests slack off. What can happen when we don't take our role, our responsibility seriously, and we count it as nothing. And tonight, I want to take a look at a story found in the Old Testament. Maybe some of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture, or maybe some of you aren't. I want to take a look at the story of a priest by the name of Eli and his two sons, Hophni, or Hophni and Phineas. Can somebody say Hophni? Phineas. See, that's where Phineas and Ferb, that's where he got his name from Disney. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those crazy kids that would be built. See, these right here, though, these were the original crazy boys, though. The brothers, the ones that got into all different types of trouble. Before, it was Phineas and Ferb, y'all. It was Hophni and Phineas, y'all. I want you to turn with me if you can stand in honor of reading of God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 26. That just came to me up here. I wasn't even planning on saying that. Thank you, Jesus. Feel the anointing tonight. Just kidding. Oh, I do feel it, though. But 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 26, if you got it, if you got your Bible with you, say, I got it. I got it. I got it. You can follow along on the screens as well. It says this. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. Can somebody say scoundrels? Who had no respect for the Lord and for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animals was was still boiling. The servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever is brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would even come before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar And he would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that way it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. See, this was customary. This was part of of the the process that people do to honor God, to, to bring sacrifices and give God their best. But then the servant would demand, no, give it to me or I'll take it by force. So the son of these young men, they were very... The sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, and they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. But Samuel, can somebody say, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. Who's thankful for all the young people that serve here, those out in the parking lot? Come on, we're never too young. He was a boy, and he served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah 
and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. We're almost there. It says, meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli, can somebody say Eli? And it is believed that Eli was actually a high priest during this time. We're going to get into that more in a bit. But he was aware, get this, listen, he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young woman who, assi- woman who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. And Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the people are not good. If someone sins against, sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father. For the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. I know that's a lot, but we're going somewhere tonight. This past Sunday, Pastor Bobby preached on the royal priesthood. Tonight, I want to talk about this, the spoiled priesthood. The spoiled priesthood. Come on, turn the person next to you and say, it's time to stop acting spoiled. It's time to stop acting spoiled. Come on. Let's go ahead and pray, y'all. Thank you, Jesus, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do. I just pray that this would be communicated clearly, God, and effectively, Lord, for your people to grow. And I pray for every person, Lord Jesus, that may have walked in here with a hardened heart, a person that may be distracted, Lord. I pray right now that we would prepare our hearts to receive the seed of your word so that way it can get deep down, Lord, and produce fruit, God. Produce a harvest, 30, 60, 100-fold, like your word said, and that we would walk out different than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, can somebody say amen? Come on, say amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise, give him an ovation of worship. And as you are doing that, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. A while back, y'all, or actually, it was actually kind of recently, not too, too long ago, I was listening I was listening to this interview, this podcast, uh, with this world-famous NBA player. And he's world-renowned. He's very well-known. He's known as an NBA all-star. And he has since retired, but he's been in the limelight um, for, for many, many years. He has done many, many different campaigns, ads, promotions. He's been hired and pretty much advertised for every single product or, or company that you can think of. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, he's made millions and millions of dollars doing this, y'all. If you don't know who I'm talking about, go to our local office depot, and you'll probably find a big cardboard cutout of him holding an HP printer, and it looks super small. He fits, he fits one printer in his hand just like this, y'all. But in this interview that I was listening to, he was asked a question, right? He's had a successful life. He's very wealthy, and he was asked a question. He's, they asked, they said, hey, um, what are you going to do with, like, all your wealth? Are you going to give any of it to your children? And the way that he responded, you know, surprised me and it shocked me because he said that, first of all, he responded, he said, anytime that my kids act stuck up, stuck up, spoiled, and brag about being rich, he responds by saying, no, 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 we're not rich, 
I'm rich. We're not rich. I'm rich, you know. And then he said, I don't even, I don't believe in nepotism. In other words, that someone should receive something from him just because they share the same last name or maybe kin, maybe family, or, or maybe from the same bloodline as him. He said, I don't believe in nepotism, but he said, I believe in respectable nepotism. That, yes, you may have an advantage because you are family of mine, but you should still be driven and determined to do something in order to receive an inheritance. That way you're not just sitting down doing nothing, waiting on me to die and receive something from me. I believe in respectable nepotism, he said. And he tells his children this, y'all. This is something he tells his children. He said, if you want to touch my cheese, you got to have three degrees. Come on, somebody. Not one. Not two, three degrees. You know what I mean? He said three degrees. And after that, y'all became a fan of Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, y'all. That's who it is that said that. But I don't know. I don't even know if he's a Christian or nothing. I don't even, I didn't look into it. But he said, I believe in respectable nepotism, which brings me tonight to another father by the name of Eli. Can somebody say Eli? Eli. And he had two sons by the name of Hophni. And Phineas. Can somebody say Hophni? And Phineas. And his parenting methods, y'all, were quite different. See, Eli was in a very influential and powerful position because not only was he a high priest, but Eli was also a judge, which meant that he was in charge of the justice system for the nation of Israel. He would handle the disputes that would be brought to him, but he was also a high priest, which meant that only he could go into the most holy place and enter into the presence of God and encounter God more differently than anybody else could during that time. And these positions required a great deal of care and attention to detail. And there were a number, y'all, there were a number of benefits of being a priest during this time. One of the benefits being is this, is that they could encounter priests, they couldn't encounter and experience God in a way that not everybody had the privilege to encounter God. See, we sometimes, we take the presence of God for granted. We experience the presence of God here when we come to church, even at home, when you put a worship music on or something, we feel God's presence. It wasn't always like that. And secondly, they had the right to receive a small portion of the offerings and the sacrifices that were brought to be given to God, they received a portion of that to eat and, and to live off of. So these jobs, this job, especially being a priest, it required you to live above reproach and, and, and at a higher standard than other people. Similar to what I believe pastors and preachers today should live like when it comes to having a higher standard. The Apostle Paul even writes, he said, I don't even encourage everyone to be a, a teacher of God's word because when they stand before God, when we stand before God one day, we're going to be judged more harshly than other people because we're teaching the word of God. We do not take this lightly. We do not take this for granted. You have to be called. My dad likes to say it like this. Some were called, some were sent, others just got up and went. 
We believe that there is a calling that when God calls someone, we should not take this for granted and that we should live at a certain standard. Can somebody say amen if you agree with that? See, but these sons in Eli, he made the mistake of allowing his sons to become priests simply because they were his sons. He allowed nepotism to slip in even though his sons were doing wicked and vile things. And the scripture says this, that they would take the best part of a sacrifice, take it for themselves before it was ready to be given to God. And on top of that, they would seduce and they would sleep with women who would work at the entrance of the temple. And these guys, y'all, they were responsible for representing God to the people. In other words, they infiltrated the ranks of the sanctuary without being sanctified. They had a form of godliness, like the scripture says, but denied the, the power thereof. See, I've learned that it's actually possible to do the work of the Lord and not know the Lord of the work. It's possible to serve, to do the work of the Lord and not know the Lord of the work. And when it came time for Eli to correct them after receiving a stern warning from a man of God, after receiving a warning, he failed to do so, and he just gave them a, a quick, short, soft slap on the wrist, a quick lecture, and he knew what was going on. He was the high priest. He put his sons in the position of priest, and he should have dealt with it. He should have taken care of it. He should have disciplined them. He received a warning from a man of God saying, you got to do something. But even then, y'all, he failed to discipline his kids. And if that was enough, he not only failed to discipline his kids, he didn't live a life of discipline himself. If you continue to read the scripture, the scriptures say that he was, get this, it says very overweight, which wasn't common during that time. And you know if the Bible says that you're big, you're big. Like, I don't know if he thought that we'd be reading like he was a big dude, right? Like, he, he was a big dude, but, but he was not disciplined the way that he should have been disciplined. And his indulgences and, and his lack of self-control carried into his children's life in a number of different ways. And yes, he may have been successful in the priesthood, but he was failing at fatherhood. He was successful in the priesthood, but he was failing at fatherhood. And to be frank, I'm just going to go ahead and say it like this. He allowed, Eli allowed his children to be entitled, spoiled brats that thought they could do whatever they want without there being any type of consequence. He took care and he was responsible for the house of God, but he was also firstly and more importantly, responsible for his house. And here's a, here's a word of advice to some priests in the building. Come on, do we have any priests in the building? If you're part of a royal priesthood, if you have placed your faith in Jesus in your life, let me tell you something real quick. We all have a ministry. The people, you see, some people think that in order to have a ministry, you got to have a microphone and be on stage like I am right now. No, this, guess what? 
Every one of you have a ministry. Every one of you are ministers. Every one, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are part of a royal priesthood. The Bible says y'all come to be equipped. We come to equip the ministers for y'all to go out in the world and make a difference and show the love and be the light, to be the salt and light of this world. But I came to tell somebody, to some parents or whoever it may be, uh, people that are high priest leaders in their home, can I tell you what your most important ministry is? Your most important ministry when not be found in these church walls. Your most important ministry will not be found in the streets. Your most important ministry is not overseas being a missionary. Your most important ministry, it starts and it begins in your home with your family. Oh, come on, somebody. Is any, I know this is a tough pill to swallow right now, but this is what I felt the Holy Spirit told me to speak to y'all. That The first point I want to give you tonight is this, that your family is your first ministry, your family. Somebody say, my family is my first ministry. See, this is something, y'all, that I've learned firsthand from my parents, Pastor Bobby and Pastor God. i got to give honor to them for Pastor Appreciation Month as well. Don't you have incredible pastors? Come on, somebody. But. I put something on Facebook, and you can check it out later, or Instagram if you want to follow me, Caleb.R.Rivera. You can follow me on there. Just kidding. But I put a post. Actually, I didn't put it on Instagram. I think I just put it on Facebook. I put it on Facebook a post showing appreciation. My, anybody saw that post by chance, right? Come on. I, I just put it on there. I just wanted to show honor to my father. Why? Because I've noticed and I've realized where their priorities lie that yes, they may have had a number of different jobs throughout their careers, uh, throughout their lives and careers and, and different responsibilities, and they've been pastoring for a majority of my life, but they have never stopped taking the time to pour love and care into each and every single one of us as we were children, and now even today as we are adults. Because my past, my dad, my pastor, right, he has told me, my dad, he has said this many times to us. He said, y'all, the most important ministry for me and my priority when it comes to ministry is not the whole congregation. First, it's my home. Of course, God is first. Then family, church, and the list goes on, right? But he said, no, my most important ministry he said, what would it be like if I can get respect from the people on the platform but act a completely different way at home and didn't have respect from the person that lived across the hallway from me? That is not, see, we knew what true success was, and, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm not trying to act all whatever. I thank God that God has done something in my family where we're serving together, you know, doing the things of the Lord together, being, being able to be in ministry together. But this right here, this is so biblical. I know this is practical right now, but Eli had a problem. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, the apostle Paul writes it like this. He said, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Oh, come on, somebody. This is the pastor of scripture preachers do not like listening to or hearing or anything like that, but we're going to preach it because it's in the Bible. In other words, how can you expect to lead a church if you can't first lead your family. This is the problem that the priest Eli had. He allowed Hophni and Phinehas to get out of control, and even worse, 
He put them into a position of leadership. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I know that I heard this growing up, y'all, okay? I heard it all the time. When people found out that I was a pastor's kid or PK before they knew me, oh, man, they thought that I was going to be the most rebellious kid, the worst of the worst. Like, there's a stigma with pastor's kids, right? I don't know if you've ever, like, I don't know. There's a stigma with pastor's kids nowadays where they think that since you're a PK, right? A pa- we have any PKs in the building right now? I think we have a few, right? If you're a PK, there we go. I didn't know that, Peter. If you're a PK, they think that you're going to be the most rebellious and act crazy. And guess what? I've met some. And I think it started with Hophni and Phineas. They were the original bad boy PKs, y'all. But that's why sometimes, y'all, I got to thank God, like I said earlier, that me and my siblings are still in church. We're older. We're serving God. Come on, we're praying for my little brother right now. You know, we're praying for him, Lord Jesus, right? No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's great. He's serving out in the parking lot, y'all, and he helps in the youth ministry. Uh, I thank God for that. But I've met some, y'all. I've met some wild and crazy PKs, and I don't know if it was because maybe, maybe the parents prioritized the ministry in the church more than they prioritized the ministry in the home. Or maybe they were just really rebellious and they were crazy and they just defied authority or whatever it may be, uh, whatever it may be tonight. All I'm trying to say tonight is that for you, that if you are the leader, the high priest in your home, that you have a responsibility to lead by action and example and to love, spend time with, and invest into your spouse, into your children. Oh, come on, somebody. See, I came to tell you tonight... See, we're not called to raise up a spoiled priesthood like Eli. We're not, I'm not having children yet. For those that keep on asking, right? I don't know. If, I think there's bets on when me and Brooklyn are going to have kids one day. I don't even know. We're not supposed to bet, y'all. I'm just kidding. But people have been saying, when are y'all going to have a kid? When are y'all going to have a kid? And asking, okay, we're going to let Brooklyn, you know, get through college, get different things and whatever else. But we've talked about it before. We've talked about children's names and everything else. But we, this is one thing that we have decided For me and my house, for our house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to raise our children right. We're going to have wisdom. We're not raising up a spoiled priesthood. We're going to raise up a royal priesthood that's going to last for generations. Oh, come on. Do we have any people in the building that are ready to take the lead in your family and make a difference? And maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, I'm the only believer in my family. I, nobody else is on fire for God like I'm on fire for God. Guess what? God can still use you. I've seen it in the life of youth. I've seen youth, y'all, that have come through the doors of this church. Their parents would just come and drop them off. Their parents, some of them wouldn't even, they don't believe in God or whatever. But I've seen God use even young people to bring the whole family and to do a work in their lives. God is not looking for perfect people. He is looking for willing people or maybe. Maybe you feel like you failed as a parent because maybe during this message, you're like, man, Caleb, I came to church to get built up. I feel like I'm getting beaten up right now because I'm not a perfect parent. There are no perfect parents. You're going to fail. You may have made mistakes and your children may have risen up and gotten out the home, but I came to speak and prophesy to somebody tonight that the same children that saw you fall are going to be the same children that are going to see you rise and God is going to do something in your life because you are raising up a priesthood 
And maybe you're in this place, you're watching online, and you've tried your best to raise up those kids the right way, and they're just acting crazy and rebellious and doing all these different things. The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they grow older, they shall not depart, that you have sown seeds in their life. Oh, come on. I've heard someone say, I want to see a salvation. I want to see a salvation. Let me tell you something. It is not your job to see a salvation. It's your job to seed the salvation, to sow something. Parents, every time you're bringing them to church, you're throwing out seeds. You're, every time you pray at home, you're throwing out seeds. Keep on following God. Keep on. Don't give up. Keep praying. Have faith. Come on, because we're raising up a priesthood that's going to last generations. Come on, can we praise God and thank him? If you're ready, if you know that ministry begins at the home, it begins at the home. Let's not get our priorities wrong. You may have a great career. You may make some good money. But can I tell you something? You're not going to be able to take any of those things with you when you die and you go to heaven. But guess what? The things that you will take with you will be the people that are around you, your children, your wife, your husband, your family. And when we get to heaven one day, despite the sacrifice, despite the things we went through, despite it all, we're going to say, I thank God that I raised my family in the ways of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Someone say it begins at the home. It begins at the home. Eli, priest, succeeding in the priesthood but failing at fatherhood. The second point I want to give you this evening, this is making sense to anybody. The second point I want to give you tonight is this. You want to take note that we cannot, we cannot take God for granted. Take God for granted. Somebody say, don't take God for granted. This is exactly what happened to Eli and especially his kids. They took God for granted, and their actions showed that. See, here's the thing. Eli feared his kids more than he feared God. Feared his kids more than he feared God. His kids didn't any ha- have any type of reverence or respect for the things of God, nor did they value the presence of God. It was just a game to Hophni and Phineas. You know, I've heard it said before like this, that be careful if you treat God cas- casually because you could become a casualty. I've heard that before from a pastor, from a minister. I like those things, those alliterations that just rhyme and do those things. Sometimes I heard people say, it sounds like you're rapping when you're on stage. I don't know. I like, I like those alliterations. Of, but be careful, y'all. If you treat God casually, because you could become a casualty of your own vices, of your own decisions. See, even Eli, Eli told his sons, he said, if you're sinning against other people, like, there, there's a way we can work this out, right? But if you're sinning against God, there's no one that can intercede. Who's going to intercede? Who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to come between you and the wrath of God? And in that, y'all, I think we even see a picture pointing to Jesus because in that time when Eli is saying this, they were underneath the law, which is this. You ready? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You get what you deserve. There was nothing coming in between them and the wrath of God because God is love, but God also hates some things as well. And he is slow to anger, and he gave Eli an opportunity. He gave him a warning, but he refused 
used. And people were coming in trying to offer sacrifices for their sins to be forgiven. And these young guys were taking the sacrifices, eating them, and being selfish and being stubborn and acting like spoiled priests. But now who's thankful that Jesus Christ, who is our mediator, who intercedes for us, who is our great high priest, he didn't come to give you what you deserve. He came to give you what he deserves. Oh, come on. Is anybody in here thankful? Is anybody thankful for Jesus? Oh, come on, somebody. I just want you just for a moment to thank God for his goodness and grace and mercy in your life. Because can I tell you something real quick? See, entitlement is saying this. I deserve this. I deserve that I should do, you know what I mean, do it all. But you want to break the back, the back of the spirit of entitlement and being spoiled and all those things. Think about what you should really deserve if it hadn't been for what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because can I tell you something? If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be on our way straight to hell. But thanks to God, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting lasting life. For he who knew no sin became sin so that way we can, we can become the righteousness of God. That it is by grace, the unmerited favor of God. We couldn't earn it. We don't even deserve it. But God has been so good to us in our lives. Oh, come on. Can we thank God for his grace in our life and our goodness in our life? Come on, we should never, because I came to tell you, even as children of God, we can become so used and so casual and so comfortable to the things of God that we can take the things of God for granted. The Bible even says this, that where we're, we're sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That wherever there's sin, God has grace for that. But then the apostle Paul wrote, he said this, but does that mean that you should keep on sinning so that way sin can abound more and more and more? He said, certainly not. See, if we're not careful, we can become spoiled and we can become entitled and we can actually misuse and abuse the grace of God and think that the grace of God gives us a license to sin. That is not how the grace of God works. Yes, where sin abounds, grace abounds. But can I tell you something? Grace should empower you to walk out the life that God has called you to live. Good works are not the cause of salvation. Good works are the effect of salvation. From walking it out, from being grace empowered, the Spirit of God can empower you. Can somebody say amen? They had taken God for granted, and judgment was coming upon the house of Eli. And if you keep on reading the story, we're about to come to a close. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. Judgment was coming against the house of Eli. And if you keep on reading the story, you'll discover that one day, get this, one day, because of the judgment of God coming against the house of Eli, the nation of Israel went into battle. They took the Ark of the Covenant. Hophni and Phinehas were there. And in one day, 30,000 soldiers were killed. Hophni and Phinehas were killed. And the Ark of the Covenant was stolen and it was taken. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 14 through 22. I want to read this. It says this, and this is what happened. You know, it gets worse whenever Eli hears about this. It says this, what is all the noise about, Eli asked. 
the messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son, Eli demanded. Israel had been defeated by the Philistines, the messenger replied. The people have been slaughtered, and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of the covenant, get this, Eli fell backward from his seat beside the gate. His, he broke his neck and died, for he was old and overweight. He had been Israel's judge for 40 years, and then Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near her time of delivery, for she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead. She went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. Get this, you have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. And she named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. And she named him this because the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of God, had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. And then she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Whoa, that's intense, y'all. I know. But here's the most tragic part. A lot of bad things happen. We talked about law. We talked about grace. Thank God for the grace of God. But the most tragic thing that took place was this, that the presence and glory of God lifted off the nation of Israel. Because back then, when it came to the presence of God, only a select few people, the anointing, the presence, the Spirit of God, would come on people and then lift off at different times. Whether they were obedient to a certain task and the Spirit of God lifted off, or they sinned. Even David, he wrote in a, in a, in a psalm, he said when after he committed adultery and after he murdered, he prayed a prayer and he said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. During that time, the Spirit of God would lift off and it would lift on. And that was the tragedy. That the presence of God left his people. But during that time, Whenever God was moving Eli and his sons out of the picture, God was raising up this man of God by the name of Samuel, a man that grew up in God's house, a man, a boy who knew God's way, a, man, a boy who didn't take God's presence for granted, a, a boy. See, they lost the, the presence of God because they didn't value the presence of God. And many times, whatever you don't value, you can, be, you can eventually lose. But Samuel valued the presence of God. He had God as a priority, and God raised him up. And guess what? Samuel was the one that became the next priest, prophet, and judge. It was Samuel that God used to anoint David. 
and he was so anointed. God said, there's not one word that, that will come out of Samuel's mouth that I will not allow to not come to pass. Samuel is anointed. He is chosen. Why? Because he valued the presence of God. He didn't treat God casualty, casually. He was raised up in the way. Come on, do we have any Samuels in the building? Do we have any people that want to stop acting a certain way and stop being like Eli and his sons, but you're making a decision saying, no, I want to be like, I want to honor God. I'm reminded of this story whenever I think of Hophni and Phinehas. I'm reminded of a, another entitled, spoiled person of a story that, that, that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. It just came to my mind. I was thinking about the prodigal son. Because some of us, we hear this story like, oh my gosh, God is so mean. You know what I mean? Like, like how, how does that mean? But Jesus, get this. Jesus tells this story. He tells this story one time of this prodigal son. About this son who at one point went to his father and he said, give me my inheritance. Give me, what, give me my money and let me go. He got his money and he left. And that was essentially saying to, to his father, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my money. I'm getting my stuff. I'm going. And it says in the scripture that he squandered and spent all of his money on sinful living. He ran out of it all, and he found himself working with the pigs. And the same food, the slop that the pigs were eating, began to look like good to him. Come on, you're no, you know you're in a low place if pig food looks good to you. But he came to his senses. Maybe like somebody's coming to their senses tonight, watching online. He came to his senses and he said, my father's servants have it better than me. I, I took it all for granted. I, I had it so good where I was at, but I asked for my inheritance and I left. Maybe if I go back, maybe, just maybe, my father will receive me as a servant. And is that what we do many times, right? So I got, I got to work hard. I got to earn it. I, I'll start right here. And you crawl, and you lay, but Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. So he heads back home, this prodigal son, this spoiled brat, <laughs> runs back home, and Jesus is telling this story because he was asked a question. They said, Jesus, why are you around all these sinners? Why do you spend time with all these people? And in the story, the prodigal son, he's coming. And this father, this good father, this father who this son had taken so many things for granted, a father who gave away as an heir to, he runs to where the boy's at. He welcomes him. He embraces him. He gives him a ring. He gives him a robe. They come in, and they have a party, and they have a celebration. Why? Because that's how good your God is. He is a good father. Jesus did not come to give you what you deserve. Jesus came to give you what he deserves. The gospel is not about us getting to God. The gospel is really about us, God coming to us. And they had a party. And he said, my son who was once dead is now alive. Oh, come on. Can we thank God for his goodness and grace in our life? Come on, stand to your feet this Wednesday evening. He's good. Somebody say he's good. He's good. I want to give somebody an opportunity in this place right now. 
Maybe you've been entitled. Maybe you've been a disobedient. Whatever it may be right now, maybe you just felt some conviction during this mess. I know we don't hear messages like this all the time we come to church, but this is a challenging message. For us to not take the things of God for granted or lightly and to view our family as our first ministry and our most important ministry, let's not forget what's most important. Come on, I'm going to pray with you right now. If we could just pray together in this moment. Come on, if you're in this place and you need to get right with God, you need to say, Lord Jesus, come on, forgive me of my sins. I've been disobedient, Lord. I place my faith and my trust in you. God, I I repent right now. Come on, even you're watching online, take this moment. The scripture says that Jesus, he is the way, the truth, the life, that no one can get to the Father. No one can come to heaven except through him. He didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. He came to make dead people alive. Come on, in this moment, rededicate right now in this moment your heart to the Lord. Come on, right now in this moment, and I pray right now over every individual and over every person right now. I pray right now over every priest right now. I pray right now that you would use them, Lord, in the home. I pray right now that we would even see the gifts of the Spirit operate within the home, within the family. The Holy Spirit, that you would begin to speak to your, to your people, to the parents on how to lead those children, on how to direct them the right way. That ministry begins at the home. That for us, for me and my house, that we would serve the Lord every day. So we pray right now a blessing over our generation and the next generation and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We thank you, Lord, that we're raising up a royal priesthood We thank you, Lord, right now, God. We do not take it for granted. We don't take your presence for granted. We don't take your grace for granted. We don't take your goodness for granted, Lord. You are good and you are faithful. And I believe that prodigals are coming home right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we worship him tonight before we leave this building? Before we leave this place? Can we dishonor him? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.